Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. So it's very possible that today will be the last message in a series called Beautiful Attitudes. The series on beautiful attitudes is really a play on the Beatitudes, which is found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I encourage you often to read Matthew 5, 6, and 7 because this is the greatest sermon that has ever been preached. It's the Sermon on the Mount. If you want to know what Jesus would say to his church today, what message Jesus would preach today, read often Matthew 5, Matthew 6, and Matthew 7. There's no greater preacher that's ever preached a message than Jesus. And so he's speaking this same group of messages, the series of messages today. And today could potentially be the last one, number eight. Somebody say number eight. What is the significance of number eight? It's the new beginning. That's exactly right. It's interesting that today we're talking about blessed are the persecuted. I think it's so powerful Seven is a significant number. Blessed, you know, it, it ta- it's a number of completion. It's a number of perfection. But number eight is blessed are the persecuted. Why is that significant and why is it number eight? Because it's possible, it's possible that living this life for the Lord could cost you everything. And I'm telling you, in costing you everything, it's a new beginning. And so, so I, I'm just going to be honest. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to testify just here a little bit this morning. Last night, we were, we were on day 11 of 21 days of prayer. And, and the last thing I did, I don't even know why I did this, but I, I, I must have been feeling sorry for myself or something. But I get up and I, and I just tell everybody, guys, listen, would you please pray for me tomorrow? You know, I'm going to be speaking a message on blessed are the persecuted. And man, this is a tough message. And, and, and boy, I just hope it goes, I just hope it goes okay. I hope it goes well. And immediately when I was thinking about this message and my approach to this message, it was almost like the Lord checked me and said, what are you doing? You think I'm lying when I, when I said, blessed are the persecuted? The word blessed is the Greek word makarios, which means happy. It means joyful. So joyful are you, happy are you who are persecuted because of righteousness. This is found in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now listen, I know you're not going to find this you know, in a, in a Christian bookstore, you know, on a magnet that you can, you can display on your refrigerator. Blessed are the persecuted. I know that you're probably not going to, you know, take your little machine that everybody has these days and, and create some beautiful wall art that says, blessed are the persecuted and put it right real big in your, in your living room. But I am telling you this, that this is in the Bible. 
And the result of number eight, the result of blessed are the persecuted, the benefit of number eight is whenever you've, you've hit the mark on one through seven. Like blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the meek, blessed are the pure in heart, right? So number eight is a result of all of the other beatitudes that have been spoken up to this point. Come on, when you've lived the right life or when you've lived the righteous life, somebody say righteousness. Come on, number eight is your reward. Number eight is your reward. You don't sound very excited. Hopefully, you'll be excited by the time I finish the message. Another passage of scripture. These are tough scriptures, but 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 2, it says this. In fact, everyone, somebody say everyone, that wants to live the godly life in Christ will be persecuted. It didn't say, it, it, it didn't say might be, it didn't say could be, it didn't say should be. It says everybody that desires to live the godly life will be persecuted. And so if your desire is to please God, then you will be persecuted. You're not ready. If you're not ready for that one, you're certainly not ready for Matthew chapter 24 and verse 9. It says this, and this one here I would like to remove. But how many of you know that you can't remove certain parts of the Bible? There are a lot of people. We say, yeah, that's right, and amen, and praise the Lord. But I'm telling you, in the day that we live in, there are a lot of people that are trying very difficult not to touch certain subjects, not to preach about certain subjects, not to touch him with a 10-foot pole because whenever they take a stand for righteousness or right living, when they take a stand for preaching God's word to its fullest, then what that means is there are going to be people that leave. They're not happy with it. Why? Because it goes against their cultural beliefs. Somebody say that God's word is true no matter what culture adopts or accepts, right? And so here it is, Matthew 24 and verse 9. It says, then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. Now, this is a hard verse. But let me tell you this, that this, this verse is a present-day reality. There are people that are losing their lives today because they're standing up for Jesus Christ. There are people today that are be, they're, they're given an ultimatum. Deny Jesus and live profess Jesus and die. And you know what they do? They profess Jesus and they die. This is happening today. It's not happening 20 years ago. It's not happening 1,000 years ago, 2,000. This is happening today. There are people that are being handed over. Their lives are being taken. Come on, they're being thrown into prison. Their families are being separated. Why? Because they choose to follow Jesus Christ as their Lord and their personal Savior. They know that any gain that they can get from this world is nothing compared to the promises of God. Amen? So, that's good. Thank you very much for that two hand claps right there. That was so wonderful. Um, number one is this. Persecution is the world's response to a stance that you've taken. Persecution is the rightful response from the world to a stance that you've taken. So listen, don't get mad when people get mad at you. Don't get mad when, when, when you make big decisions that are life-changing decisions and, and people don't want to have anything to do with you. 
Come on, because it's the, it's, the, it's the world's response to the stance that you've taken. So when you say, like I said, I'm not drinking anymore. Man, I drank a lot of alcohol, and it was, it, was, uh, it was not good for me. It always resulted in major issues and major problems. So when you take a stance that, man, I'm not doing that anymore because I'm following Jesus and every single one of your relationships, every single one of your friends were built on drinking in that whole environment, and you take a stance that you're not going to do that anymore, I'm telling you what, it's very costly, right? You, you went from having a lot of friends and a lot of people in your, in your corner to no friends and no people in your corner, right? It's very difficult. So when you take a stance not to smoke anymore or, or do pills anymore, when you take a stance that I'm not going to sleep around either with that one person that I'm not married to or this is 2022 and there could be many people that you're not messing around with anymore. I'm telling you, it's going to be costly. It changes everything. When you stand against what culture says is normal, what culture says is acceptable, you know what's not normal? For a virgin to marry a virgin and them to, them to share that, that, that intimacy on the night of their wedding. You know, that's what's not normal anymore. And so, so it's very seldom does that happen any longer. But so when you take a stand not to party, when you take a stand to, to let your yeses be yeses and your noes noes. Now listen, this is just a, a quick jab. I'm not gonna, I'm not doing an overhand right to you right now, but I just wanna get your attention. Can Christians start telling the truth? I am so, I have caught so many people and, and, and I know that sometimes there is a tendency, you know what I mean, to leave things out, but a half-truth is a lie. Can the, can the church be the church that says yes and means it and, mean, and says no and mean it and not, and not try to shade things and, and, and just color things? Because when you lie, you lose, you lose your testimony. When you lie, nobody believes what you say because when you open your mouth, they might be getting truth or they might be getting something else. I'm telling you, we like to look at the big things that God does in delivering us, but let's also pay attention to the little things. Well, I just said that because I was protecting them. I was just, you know what I'm saying? No, listen, let's let our yeses be yeses and our noes our be no. So, when a Christian starts living properly, they will be persecuted. See, the problem is that many Christians today, not talking about this church, of course, but many Christians today, they don't live right out loud. They don't live the righteous life out loud. There are many Christians today that literally believe you have, you have, you have bought into the lie itself that you can have one foot in the world and you can have one foot in the church, one foot with the relationship with God, and all, all depending on, on who you're around um, and, 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 and you know, the relationships that you've got in your life, it might be super easy to be in the church. Man, I'm full in, man, praise God. Why? Because I'm, I'm around all my church people. Man, praise the Lord, and you get down on your hands and knees and you pray and you show up, you know what I mean? 
for 21 days of prayer and you're around your people. And man, so you're all in. But there are those few people that, that have influence in your life that may not have or they should not have influence in your life that when you're around them, you're, you're kind of like this. And then, man, if you make that step over to have one foot in the world and one foot in the church, it's super simple just to slide this over here just for a little bit, like, like just for a little, then I'll put it back in. I'm just telling you what, that we serve a God that is jealous. Yeah. Amen. He wants all of you. Yeah. He wants every ounce of you, and he wants you to stand up for what is right, righteousness, right living, right in God's eyesight, right? And so, so when we play this game, guess what? There's no persecution. Why? Because you don't stand for anything. You don't, you, it, Jesus isn't enough for you to say, man, I don't care what it costs me. Come on, he died on a cross for my life. He pulled me out of out of darkness and he brought me, he gave me purpose and he loved me. And, and you know what? I don't care what it costs me. I'm gonna serve him, I'm gonna love him. His, my life belongs to him. And guess what? If you do it right, the, the, the reward is people are gonna call you names. People, if you do it right, they're gonna say, man, Brandon, you're just nothing but one. Are you one of them holy rollers? You know, they're going to call you, come on, if you do it right, then, then, then when everybody else is getting together and you don't get the phone call, that hurts. See, these things are difficult, but they're true and they're right. Why is it that people will separate from you? Because the life that you are choosing to live is in stark contrast to the life that they're living. And what happens is, is there's, there's conviction there's, there's, there could be potentially guilt. There could be some shame and nobody likes that. And so what they do is they just deny you and they talk about you. Why? Because they don't like what the Lord is doing through you to, to speak to their heart and their life. See, misery loves company. And if you are causing somebody because of your choice to live a life that's pleasing to God, come on, if you're causing somebody to be uncomfortable, then they're going to shoo you away. But I'm telling you, there's a reason and a purpose for it. We'll hit that here in just a little bit. But darkness hates the light, so it'll run from it or it'll convert right? It'll allow the, the light to penetrate the darkness. Number two is persecution is something that we must be prepared to handle. Persecution is something that the church needs to get ready to handle because it's here, it's been here for a long time, but it's coming stronger. And so we've got, to, we've got to be ready, but many churches, which I'm talking about many people because the church is made up of, of people, are ill-prepared to deal with what is coming. Why? Because we have chosen to turn our eyes from the truth. We've literally chosen to give a blind eye to what it is that God's word says is true. Why? Because it's too costly. What will people think about me? I may not be able to run in the circles and do the things. And so what I'll do is I'll just kind of slip up underneath the radar and just kind of go along and, and not really stand for, for anything strong. And so therefore, I can, I can do both. But I'm telling you, you can't do both. 
You can't do both. You can think you can do both, and you can think you're being effective at doing both, but that in itself is a lie as well. I'm telling you what, the comfort does not respond well to difficulties. If you're loving comfort, you don't like to, you don't respond well to difficulties. I, I'm, I'm getting older, and me and my wife, we do quite a bit of traveling, and, and we've come to the place in life where, man, we have stayed in some of the most shoddy hotel rooms. It's like, I think somebody might have died here last night. I mean, just, we've stayed in some crazy, crazy places, and both of us are like, we ain't doing it no more. I don't care if it costs us a little bit more. You know what I mean? We're going to be comfortable. We're going to be, but, but, but is comfort always the best as a Christian? No. I remember when I was in the Marine Corps going to, going to trainings. We would do hot weather trainings, desert style training. We would spend a month out at 29 Palms, California, just in, in terrible, terrible heat, eating poorly, eating dust and sand and wind and, and it was just it was absolutely terrible and then in the core we would we would go to the coldest places on the planet we would do cold weather training the idea is we would we would position ourselves come on in tough rough situations and, and find comfort in those situations. Why? Because we had to prepare ourselves. We entitled embracing the suck. That is meaning looking forward to the things that suck the worst in life. Embracing them and saying, come on, you can do better than that. Come on, bring it. And so what happens is, is you're prepared for the fight when you find yourself put in the fight. And if you don't go through that type of training then you've got a weak team, you've got a weak army, and guess what, you're probably gonna lose. You're probably gonna lose. And so, so we've got to be a people that embrace the hardship, embrace the uncomfortable, embrace the suck. The Bible says, blessed are those who are persecuted. Why are they persecuted? Because of righteousness. So because of right living, right standing with God. Let me just hit this real hard. You cannot be in right standing with God and right standing with the world. You can't do it. You're, you, you're, you can't be in right standing with both, right? Joshua 24 says this, choose this day who you're gonna serve. I'm telling you, you gotta make a choice today who you're gonna serve, no matter what the cost. And then he goes on to say, for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. And I'm telling you what, I've done self-examination and I know if I'm standing for righteousness, even if culture, it's completely in the face of what culture is accepting, if it causes me to, to, to go to prison, if it causes me hardship, I am telling you, I am ready for it. I am absolutely ready. And that's wonderful, that's wonderful. But this is the deal, where are you? Because you got two legs, you've got one life, and you've got to carry your life and your family. Come on, are you going to stand up for righteousness even if it costs you? Or are you just going to kind of try to, just kind of try to, you know, go under the radar and not stand for anything? There's so many milquetoast leaders in our, in our, in our, in our, in, in, in Christianity today. I'm telling you what, milquetoast leaders 
produce milquetoast followers. And milquetoast followers are raised up to be milquetoast leaders. And some of the great people that I came up underneath, watching and watching, of course, from a distance, but it is blowing my mind. It is mind-blowing how some of the greatest preachers and teachers that I admired so much at one point are not standing up for biblical truth any longer. And it just breaks my heart. Why is that? Why would somebody that has been used so powerfully by God to advance the gospel in the earth, you know why? Because they've experienced too much success. Because now they've gotten used to the successful life. They've gotten used to the nice things in life. They've gotten used to the great dinners. They've gotten used to the first class you know, air, airline tickets. They've gotten used to all these things. And now, because culture is shifting right in front of our eyes, now if they stand up for what the word of God says, it's going to cost them too much. And so what we have is we have these incredible people that have that has been empowered and anointed by God. Now they're trying to figure out, oh my gosh, you know, how do I keep all of this but yet slide on this here because this is a big cultural issue right now. And boy, if I really take a stand on that. And so you've got some incredible people. I'm not going to name drop, but it just absolutely breaks my heart that nobody is standing for the truth. And when you don't stand for the truth, you live the lie, and you produce what it is that you stand for. You produce it, and this is, the, this is the direction of the church. If we do not stand up and say, man, oh man, God's word is true, and let every man be a liar. Amen? That's why you need to know it, and I need to know it, and we need to stand for it. Pastoring, I personally have been falsely accused. People have said some crazy things about me in this community from other churches. Man, that pastor... He'll marry anybody. Man, that pastor never addresses sin. Man, he just, he just always preaches them watered-down messages. The thing is, is if any of those things were true, I would have no problem sitting down face-to-face -face with anybody. And this is an open-door policy to you. If I say something that is, that is hard for you, come on, to receive... I'm telling you this, I would love to sit down with you to dialogue, not to prove you wrong or you to prove me wrong, but listen, at some point, it doesn't matter what I think and it doesn't matter what you think. What matters is what the word of God says. Amen? Amen. And so, so, so we can go to the word and, and get this thing figured out, but, but it's interesting, all these people that say these things, they've never been to a Sunday service. They've never, they've, never, they've never been to a Wednesday night service. They've never been to one of our small groups or, or, or Bible studies, but they heard and so they passed along. Can I just tell you this? If you heard something and that person's never been here, don't believe it. And tell them to come talk to me, would you? Tell them this seriously, come talk to me. I'd love to have a conversation with them. I have no problem owning what I've said. I have no problem sitting down with people that are, that are struggling with what I've preached about. I have no problem with any of that. Bring it. I'm telling you this openly, I stand for life. I am 1,000% against pro-choice. I stand 1,000% for life. Now listen. 
I'm not going to just, just, just hear me out for a second. Just hear me out just for one second. This isn't an us and them. See, I have still great compassion for people that are put in tough situations and circumstances, and that's an option. Can I tell you this? Before I was saved, I was in a tough situation, and thank God it never came to having to make a decision. But I'm in this, I'm a young, young person, very young person. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? This is gonna affect the entirety of my life. And so I'm thinking of all options, and I'm thinking that this is a viable option. And I'm and I'm it hurts me to even think that that was a possibility. So why I say I am 100 percent for life and against choice. I understand that situations are diff, difficult and tough and, and, and it's scary because you don't know what the future is going to be like. So I have great love and compassion for all people, even people that have, that have, that have gone through getting an, an abortion. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is not about, I can't believe you did, but I'm telling you this, we got to stand for what God says is right and true. And we've got to be willing to do the hard thing knowing that God is going to carry us through those hard things. Right? Say, say that one time. Yeah. Man, that's so good. And praise, yes, praise God. Praise God, somebody. So our young people can make responsible decisions just like this woman has made so that, that you're not put in that. But God knows we make mistakes and, and whatnot, but, but I'm telling you, walk out God's plan for your life. When all, if you're totally confused, get advice from somebody that you can admire, look up to, follow. All right, man, thank you for that. That was good. I also stand for marriage. Biblical marriage. I stand for marriage being between one man and one woman for one life, right? So, so, so right now, because there's a bunch of people that have been divorced in this church. So right now, it's possible that somebody's like, man, I hate it when he talks about that. Get off of the marriage thing. Get off of, see, the reason I teach and preach, and listen, I have tremendous compassion for people that have been through divorce. I know how difficult it is for children in those situations. I know how, uh, what a struggle it is. So it's not to make you feel bad, but this is the deal. You need to get beyond your own feelings if you've been through a divorce and say, yeah, yeah, that's right, absolutely. Because at this point, it's not about you. It could be about your children. Right? And some people will remove their families from the church that is trying hard and it's difficult. I know that every time I get up and I approach a hard topic, it's possible that several people leave and they never come back. Guess what? I want to be loved, I want to be liked. It's not fun, but I have a grave responsibility to share the truth. And you've got a grave responsibility to listen to the truth. And at some point, it's not about your feelings. Boy, that made me feel uncomfortable. It's about the people that are sitting in the seats that aren't married yet. So that they begin to choose better. They choose right. They do their best to choose somebody that they can spend the rest of their life with. And I'm not saying that you chose wrong. Man, some people, there's so many situations. How can I cover them all? I can't cover them all. 
I'm not even gonna try. But we've gotta stand for the truth. One man, one woman for one lifetime. That's not my, that's not my opinion, but I have to make it my opinion because it's God's opinion, right? And, I, and, I, and I'm telling you, listen, it hurts me to know that some people struggle because they may not be attracted to the same sex. That's a real deal. I, I wish I could take that away from you. But guess what? I too have a lot of issues that I struggle with. And guess what? I would love for you to be able to take those issues away from me. But you can't, and I can't. And so what we have to do is we have to pursue a God that loves us and pursue truth in such a manner, believing, come on, that he can equip us. He can potentially even change us, amen? Amen. But the answer is not to embrace everything that people feel. My goodness, are you kidding me? Wow. All right. Number three. And the last day's persecution is going to be more intense, so we must be ready. Number three is when persecution comes, it causes examination. Is what they're saying about me true? Is it right? Am I okay with the truth? I want to encourage you never to allow persecution to cause you to question God's love for you. Because God loves you even though you're called to go through some real hardships. I know so many stories of hardships in this church, and my heart does. It goes out so, so much for so many people. But God is with you. You're not going to be the first, nor will you be the last that's ever faced persecution. We've got Jesus that was persecuted, Zacharias. We've got Nehemiah, Elijah, Jeremiah. We've got Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel, we got John the Baptist. We got, I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on where it costs them something. Paul said this, 2 Corinthians 4, 9, we are persecuted but not abandoned. That means that God's never going to leave you. He's always going to be with you and walk with you through that. We're struck down but not destroyed. People will attempt to destroy your name. They'll attempt to drag your name through the mud. They'll attempt to hurt your name. But guess what? When we're so concerned with protecting our name, then what happens is is we are light on what we stand for. Can I just tell you this, man? It's not about your name. Bronson, you never saved anybody. I've never saved anybody. But there is one name under heaven by which men can be saved, and his name is Jesus. There is one name where every tongue is going to confess and every knee is going to bow that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is, this is people that receive him and people that don't receive him. So people that have denied him, they're still going to bow and they're going to say, I confess you, Jesus, you are who you said you were. And all those people that came and told me about you, you are he, but there's going to be grave consequences for them. And so his name is the one that's important. Number four is this. There's a reason for your persecution. I'm going to speed up here real quick. The reason is righteousness. When you begin to do what you say you're going to do, when you begin to withdraw from things that are unhealthy, you know what I mean, for you, it causes separation. Hobby was telling me about a young man a while ago. So so they just came back from camp, right? And uh, a year ago, 
um, they went to a camp as well. And this young man, Oakland, he come home and, and he made the, the vow that he was going to change some things because God had changed his life at camp. And so he separated himself from the friends and he separated himself from the things that he was doing. And guess what? Tremendous persecution came. He stopped being called. He, he was being called names. And, and that's hard as a, as a, how old is he? He's 17 now, so he was 16 when he makes this, this huge decision, right? That's tough for a 16-year-old, right? Why? Because we want to be liked. We want to be loved. We want to be accepted. But what the beautiful thing is, is one whole year of him being faithful to serving the Lord, one whole year, come on, there are other people, those same friends that denied him, that separated from him. Now they're coming around, and he's given a voice into their life. I think it's crazy. Two years ago, I went to a 30-year class reunion. And, um, and in the class reunion, because God has given me influence with the people that I was in school with, in the schedule of the class reunion, they scheduled a church service and said, Pastor Travis is going to preach. You tell me where you've heard of this ever happening before in the entirety. I've never heard of anything happening like this. On the class reunion schedule, Pastor Travis preaching a message. So we loved, we loved our class reunion so much that we made a decision that we're going to have a 30.2. So this year is two years after. This is my 32nd year. We're having another class reunion. Guess what they asked me to do? Pastor Travis preach a message at a class reunion. Crazy. I go to a Marine Corps reunion every year. All the guys that I served with every year. They're all East Coast Marines. So it's, it's all on the East Coast. Bunch of hardened Marines. It's time to eat. Everybody's like, hey, before you guys eat anything, take your lids off. TT, pray. Got a chance to marry a couple this last reunion. This is what they said. Hey, we've never been out to Idaho. All East Coast Marines. Never been out to Idaho. TT, we're coming to Idaho next year. Get ready for us. So we're going to go to Stanley. We got a Mays Family Ranch where we're going to get the whole ranch because, my goodness, if people were around, it would not be good. We got the whole ranch to ourselves. But this is what they said. They said, listen, we're going to go Wednesday through Saturday and Sunday. Whoever can make it, we're driving to Rupert, Idaho and going to church at TT's church. This is crazy. The crazy thing is, is in high school and also in the Marine Corps, I was the last person. I, like I was, the, I was the leader going the wrong direction. And for God to create this space and influence is just, it's just, a, it's nothing short of a miracle, guys. And if you will, if you'll just stick with it, man, you will be used as a voice to reach the people that you love and their lives will be changed. Number five is this, and this is our last one. There's a proper way to respond to persecution in an improper way. Matthew 5.11 says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you falsely, and say all kinds of evil against you because of me. It says rejoice, which means to be happy, jump for joy, be glad. Why? Because great is your reward in heaven. Now listen, I know it's hard. Like, like we are called to make tough decisions that we don't want to make because we lose friends. Even family will separate. They're, they'll think, oh man, he's, he's, 
he's in some cult or something like some crazy cult. Everything's about Jesus. Can't stop talking about it. His family will separate from you. But I'm telling you this, man. Don't exchange glory for this world. Don't exchange the world that is to come. For, the Bible says it like this. What gains a man, what profits a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? But guess what? There are people, there are people that are doing that all the time. They're saying, listen, I want every, we're a microwave generation. We want what we want now. And Jesus is saying, man, if you will just tarry for a little bit, if you will just trust in me, if you will just love me, if you will just keep your eyes upon, yes, it's going to be hard and it may cost you, it may cost you dearly, but oh my goodness, if you knew what I have in store for you, which none of us can even fathom, but I'm telling you this, that heaven is real and it's going to be more magnificent and glorious than our minds can even fathom or imagine. Amen. Please don't sell your your please don't sell your birthright for a pot of stew. Right? Please don't sell your soul for a few pieces of silver like Judas did. The first one was Esau. Don't sell something great and magnificent for something that's just going to satisfy for a second. Amen. If this message is spoken to you i this is my this is my challenge my challenge is this the church and and it's made up of individuals so i'm not speaking to everybody but i'm speaking to us collectively the church we need to repent of our sins we need to stand up for things that are right and true and beautiful and perfect amen we need to stand for jesus it's his word and if you found yourself kind of waffling you know trying to trying to you, well, it could mean this and it could mean that. Like if you're having to work real hard, you know, to support your opinion on certain things, I'm just going to ask you just to repent of your sins. Ask God to forgive you. Guess what? He is faithful and just to do that. I don't know when it's going to be, but I'm really feeling stirred to speak an entire message on pro-life and pro-choice. And, and, um, and that's, that's going to be an exciting message because I think what's going to happen is I think that even people that are on the other side and they're thinking, man, that's, you know, there's so much hardship and so many other, first of all, how many of you know the church needs to step up and be a solution? We need to be a solution to these moms that are struggling and, and like, like the responsibility is on us, not just to say, oh, that's wrong. That's wrong. We got to step up and do something. But I'm telling you what, man. The word of God is so pure and true. I want you to know this, that God knew you while you were being knitted in your mother's womb. Before the foundations of the earth, come on, he, has, he had a plan to position and place you. Amen. Life. So let's be repentant people. Let's trust God and let's get into his word and say, God, wherever you're calling me to go, I will follow you. In Jesus' name. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. 
We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.